And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of the Totally Football Shows and the two Totally Football League Shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's football cliches will be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our Tactics Podcast and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows too. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham Club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. Along the way, there are amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Oatley, so keep your eye out for those. And you can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places. Or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. It's the Totally Football League show. Plenty on our agenda today as we look ahead to the weekend's EFL action. Reflect on a wonderfully nutty set of midweek cup games. Recoil in shock at the news Steve Evans got sent off. Praise the plethora of perfect penalties, principally at Pride Park. And chide over-enthusiastic celebrations. Albert Addo? Nah. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hey gang, it's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here again. I am joined today by Super Sammy Parkin. Hello, Matt. Hello. And the less temperamental Rubinho, Robin Cowan. <laughs> Thank you very much. A return to training for me for the first time in 18 months yesterday. I've got to say, everything hurts. Everything. <laughs> um, are you the less temperamental Rubinho? I mean, I'm kind of assuming that. Uh, well, you've only seen my podcast persona, Matt, so... Mm. Yeah, we'll leave that, leave that there. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see as the season rolls on, I guess. Um, some news and notes that I wanted to chat through before we get to the weekend's action. Standout moments from the EFL Cup. Sam, you were at Brisbane Road on, on Wednesday night to see your beloved Queen's Park Rangers. Give, give us a 30-second match report and then get your Del Boy on and admonish Uncle Albert. Um, QPR, brilliant for half an hour. In particular, I really liked Andre Dezel and... Faisal Batash's performances, two kind of names that don't roll off the tongue, literally for me <laughs> and for probably um, EFL fans and supporters of QPR. Um, yeah, I mean, they could have been out of sight, really. Uh, felt that late and really nervous, bit of a disconnect between kind of their forward players and the rest of the team. But blimey, ended the first half really strong and the second half, they were excellent, thoroughly deserved, probably to go through. Um, Jordan Art tried to make a series of save, saves for Rangers late on. The right player scored. Aaron Drinnan was exceptional. Bit of a question mark about where the goals are going to come for Leighton Orient, but he got himself on the score sheet. Good value to take it to penalties and unfortunately just couldn't see the job through with um, Rangers nicking it on spot kicks. So tell us for anybody who doesn't know what happened with uh, Albert Adoma and, and why you're so against it. <laughs> um, well, he scored the winning penalty after not having a particularly great game. He frustrated me, got in some really good positions. I thought George Thomas was the um, the pick of the QPR forward players, but he, Adoma wasn't brilliant, scored the winning penalty kick, 
He's gone on record, obviously, been very vocal about being a QPR fan. Proceeded to walk into the stand on the far side, take his shirt off, give it to a supporter. Not much of a problem with that. But then just got involved with the crowd. He was in there. He had a scarf above his head. There was a lot of badge kissing. And I'm not really buying it, Matt. And call me a cynic. And maybe I'm a little bit jealous because he's living my my boyhood dream. And I was probably a bit jealous of your Mark Bertrams and your Kevin Gallons and, and people like that. But I'm not buying it. I'm thinking it's a bit of brown nosing. Um, I think he's probably got an affiliation where he lived or um, where he grew up or something like that. But he did an interview a year ago, I think, where he said Charlie Austin was his QPR hero or something like that. And it smelt of someone who's just trying to get on board with a new fan base. But um, the fans love it. Do you know what I mean? So fair play to him. But I would like to get him in a room and ask him to name the QPR 1982 FA Cup <laughs> final starting lineup to see what he's really made of. I love Sam saying, let's see your credentials. Let's, you know, going to draw up a quiz for him. I just think it's quite funny that he did that against, he's got a winning penalty against Leighton Orient in the first round of the EFL Cup. I mean, what's he going to do if they get like promoted, if he scores the winner in the, I mean, what on earth has he got planned for that? I should have mentioned that. That was the best thing, yeah. <laughs> That's quite the reaction, but, uh, you know, fair play to him. But yeah, no, I think he needs to... Um, yeah, get in a room with Sam and they can have a QPR off or something. It's been a pretty good EFL Cup round one for us three, actually, hasn't it? Queen's Park Rangers went through, Oxford went through on pens against Burton, and my beloved Nottingham Forest even managed to win a football match with uh, a load of the under-23s playing, which was good. Anything else stand out for you, Sam? That Ravel Morrison goal was quite good. Yeah, definitely Morrison's goal really fascinated to see how he, he gets on it's a big story at the moment isn't it it's got everyone talking had so many opportunities hopefully this is his time I'd love it to be because he's he's a player we'd all love to watch doing it consistently he's got such ability and skill you think of that wonderful goal he got for West Ham at Tottenham all those years ago now I think seven years ago or something which is incredible so that was a great moment I thought Morecambe actually winning at Blackburn relatively local Derby, I would suggest, um, came from behind. What a wonderful season it's been, start to the season it's been for, for Morecambe and uh, Cole Stockton on on the mark once more. So I thought that was as good as it got in terms of giant killing. How about you, Robin? Um, Posh getting walloped by Plymouth, maybe, or, or Russell Martin getting his, his first win and a good one at Reading? Yeah, no, really impressed with that. I think my favourite thing from from that game was Ellis James, the comedian who's a really big Swansea fan, saying, because uh, he was there at uh, whatever the Reading Stadium's now called, it's not the Bedeski anymore, is it? Um, <laughs> he said that um, they were playing like Brazil 1970. So um, <laughs> he's already getting <laughs> slightly carried away. But it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that. He's only been there like a couple of weeks, hasn't he? To, to see if it's clicked already. Um, one thing I wanted to see, which didn't happen, was Mike Dean just following Tranmere around. Um, you know, seeing if they needed any help, you know, refereeing. Um, just what wanted to see because they were old and just wondered if he was in the crowd again, just hoping and crossing his fingers that someone, uh, one of the officials pulled a hamstring and to see if he could save the day again. But uh, unfortunately not. I've just noticed from looking at the draw, it's the Cowan Park in Derby in round two. Queen's Park Rangers versus Oxford United. So all friendly today. And then, you know, <laughs> once Albert Adoma sticks one in, in the top corner and, and, and dives into the crowd, it'll, it'll all be... And, yeah. and, and, you know, that is not an opportunity for QPR to serve up retribution for 1986. You know, the... We all remember the league, it well, yeah. The League Cup final, cup. which you, you'll the be able to reel cup. off the uh, goal scorers, Matt, I'm sure. <laughs> 
Uh, Robin, who were the goal scorers? I don't know. Uh, Trevor Hebbard, I believe, was one of them. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Ray Houghton. Ray Houghton. I think yeah. Ray Houghton might have got one. That's all I got. Ray Houghton. He played for Oxford, did he? I think. I, I imagine John Aldridge might have featured as well, unless yeah. I've gone. We were crazy. pretty good in the eighties. <laughs> Ninety thousand there to see it. Crikey. Keith Hackett refereeing. Oh, ninety thousand. There's not ninety thousand people. There's ninety thousand. There's probably a lot of people in Oxford. I was going to say White City. <laughs> ninety thousand three nine six. I mean, I'm getting this from from Wikipedia. Hebbard, Houghton, and Charles got the goals. Uh, Hebbard also scooped the Man of the Match award. That's enough on the 1986 League Cup final. <laughs> I think, um, the only other thing that caught my eye from from the draw, producer Abby will love this, just that Arsenal are in a regionalised draw for a cup competition. Uh, this is so low rent, it makes me makes me laugh. Quite that is good news. Anyway, second round of that is uh, is later on in August. And what about some transfers that have happened since we've been away? I guess Adam Armstrong's the the main one that stands out. Robin, twenty million plus add-ons. Are, a decent fee for it for a championship club to get, albeit everybody knows that they've got that money now, but it's so difficult to, to replace goals in any team. Oh, incredibly difficult. And he, he provided more than goals, didn't he? With so much energy and one of those rare strikers that you would almost put your house on him scoring when he goes through. Um, I think it was 29 in 43 in all competitions last season. It's going to be a huge struggle for Blackburn. I mean, even even with him last season, they really tailed off towards the end, didn't they? So, yeah, a, a huge loss. And not sure where they've got lined up. Uh, still got a couple of weeks, haven't they? But, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to replace him. Is he good enough for the Prem, Sam, do you think? Oh, unquestionably, yeah, I, I would say. Yeah, scored at a Premier League club. Um I think it feels like he's been doing this for, you know, at least two years now consistently. And I spoke about this the other day. I think when you look at the attributes that Danny Ings has has got and brings to the party, I, I think he can replicate that and maybe even do a little bit more in, in time. I don't think Danny Ings, probably partly due to his injuries, has had that uh, ability to run in behind loads. He's, he's good with his back to goal now. He's a, he's a good 18-yard box player, but I think Armstrong brings you that as well. He can pick the ball up from deep and he's gone. Uh, very good around the box, um, wriggling and getting shots away. So he's been exceptional. And um, yeah, having having lost, obviously, their, 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 their main marksman, I think he's nearly as good as you could have got gone and got in the second tier. So really hopeful that he can have a, a great time in the Premier League. Penny for the thought of Newcastle fans could have had Ivan Tony and Adam Armstrong up front this season, um, but you got Joel Linton instead. Uh, <laughs> not so good news for Harrogate. A COVID outbreak there meant they forfeited their cup tie against Rochdale. The next two league games against Crawley and Orient postponed. Also meant Araka was ruled out. Uh, Abby would like to point out she was the only one to get her leg of it correct. What's the answer here, Robin? We're just going to have to live with this this season or, or a club's able to insist that their players get vaccinated to, to mitigate, mitigate against it? Or are they just kind of hoping, well, if we get one outbreak per season, then that's probably going to be it? There's no easy answer. No easy answer at all. And actually, well, you can force them to get vaccinated. You can still catch it. Um, it's obviously not as likely, but it's so hard. I think that the difficulty is that we still don't really know what it takes to get a game called off. I don't believe there's been sort of criteria uh, set out because I know from my experience with Oxford United last season they were very frustrated I think Crew they had a game against Crew called off twice game against Swindon as well was called off 
and Carl Robinson was just getting just annoyed w- without knowing exactly what it takes, you know, and, and he felt that perhaps some teams would take advantage of that with, if they had a sort of injury crisis. But I mean, generally, yes, I think Harrogate are going to be the first of many, aren't they? It's uh, it's going to happen pretty much to every team and hopefully, as you say, only once, but you can't guarantee that either. Almost did for, for Rotherham to an extent, I'd say, Sam, last year because of their, their fixture pileup as the season ended. But in terms of the cup thing... It seems harsh, but it's the only answer, isn't it? To just say, I'm sorry, but you're out. The other team goes through because you can backload league fixtures to an extent. But if you start doing that in a cup competition, there'll be all sorts of issues. Yes, it's too fiddly. I mean, the whole thing is so tricky, isn't it? And they probably set a precedent last season with Leighton Orient. If you think back, they had that plum tie with um, Tottenham Hotspur and weren't able to fulfil the the fixture in the, the timescale. So they missed out on on what would have been a brilliant um, brilliant evening for them against a, a local club with, with strong links as well. And um, yeah, Rotherham's a, a good example. Carlisle as well. If you think about how good Carlisle were at the start of last season, we were fancying Chris Beach's side to potentially be in the shake-up or go up automatically. And the wheels completely fell off there. Uh, and I think that was mainly down to a, a COVID outbreak. So it had huge effects for a couple of clubs in the EFL last season. I don't know what the answer is. I don't think you can make everyone be vaccinated. It's too much of a uh, of a um, can of worms. So we'll just have to deal with it as best as we can and not try and get too downbeat, I suppose, and too deterred and too upset when things get postponed or get put back. Um, but I understood. I understood Carl Robinson last season. I remember that being a, a tough time for... For, for Oxford in terms of preparing for games it's tricky should have mentioned this on Monday when Ryan was here but the reason that Forrest got beaten at Coventry on Sunday was because they lost two pre-season friendlies because of Covid and a couple of players as well so there you go <laughs> uh, right still to come we're previewing the weekend's big games but next we're speaking with Sunderland goalkeeper coach David Priest. At Paddy Power, we're looking forward to the return of the Premier League this weekend. Man United kick off their campaign against old rivals Leeds. The operative word there being old, because the last time Leeds finished ahead of Man United was before most of the players in the current teams were born. Though I remember it well. God, I'm getting too old for this job. And while you can't build a time machine, you can build your own bet. With a completely free £5 bet builder on Man United v Leeds this Saturday. Paddy Power! Pre-match bet builder bets only. Minimum two legs plus. Online exclusive. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCampbellAware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Now, long-term listeners will know that we used to have a goalkeeping expert on the show every so often. Well, he's only gone and ditched us for his dream job. How selfish. Here's David Priest, the new Sunderland goalkeeping coach. David, tell us about how this new role came about then. It, it seems to me like it's basically your dream job. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean, it's been a long time coming, 30 years since I last uh, left the club. And um, it's it was never really the the aim to, to come back here, but um, it's, it's something that's, that, that came up and, and obviously I was delighted to, uh, to, to accept it. And it's, um, it's very much a role that I'm... I'm can't wait to get my teeth into, and you know, obviously initially I'm just um, just getting my feet on the table and, and getting to familiarise myself with the uh, with the stadium again and with the with the training ground. You know, being a stranger for for such a long time, so it's uh, yeah, it's very nice to be back. Are you are you too sort of 
well versed and cynical in football to to get emotional or when you pulled on the training kit for the first time and saw the badge was was there a few hairs standing up on your neck I think it's it's difficult not to I think that you know the, the 15 year old lad that's that signed for Sunderland he's still inside me somewhere you know and it's it, it would be uh, you know I, it would be impossible for, for me not to not to enjoy that moment and um, you know there's so much goodwill came my way as well from you know from family and friends and you know, and on social media that it was just felt like no matter how it, how things went here that it would be uh, you know the goodwill itself was was worth just coming anyway. So, so the the kind of emotional element of it wasn't really a consideration for you. You know, you weren't thinking, well, if if it goes horribly wrong, that it might damage your your relationship with or feeling toward the club. That that didn't enter your thoughts. <clears throat> no, I mean, I, I'm lucky in a sense that you know, coming back, you know, of course, I spent my first six years uh, of my career here, but uh, I was far from from a success and and kind of left with my dreams crushed a little bit. And uh, and I know there's probably a lot of people are thinking, oh, well, there's some finished business, but it's it, it does feel that way to me, and it just feels like the second chance coming back to the club, having a, a real opportunity to, to to have some influence over over the way that's the, the direction that the club goes in, especially sort of obviously from a goalkeeping perspective, it's something that's you know I think it's just so much scope and so much um, I said opportunity to, to to improve things and and. And to try and help things and, and try and shape them in the way that I envisage them as well, it's um, it's just a brilliant opportunity for me. What did Lee Johnson say to you to, in terms of selling it to you? I know he didn't have to do that much, but he but he must have, have told you where he sees you fitting into this new project. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't really know Lee that much before I came in, and initially, um. I was asked to to help out for for a week when um, Lee Butler, the former um, goalkeeping coach, left, and uh, and that's kind of where the the whole process started from there. And of course, I'm familiar with Lee's work and um, and uh, I played with his assistant at Aberdeen, Jamie McAllister. So you know, there's a little bit of familiarity there, but you know, still going through the whole um, the, the whole process of of inter- interviewing. You know, the, because of COVID and things, you know, the first one was a a Zoom interview, then it was interview in person, and you know, so it, it was it, it was a it seemed like a long drawn out process, but in the end, it was kind of because the club had been so thorough that it just felt right anyway. And I, I, I kind of put myself in a position where you know I'd gone away to Sweden for a couple of years, worked hard over there, you know, did a little bit of work with Rochdale towards the end of last season, and then kind of put myself in a good position where I did have four or five offers. Come the end of the of last season, so Sunderland's Sunderland offer came late, and of course, you know everything that goes with that. It just um, it, it made me hold off on everything else and to make sure that this was right, and, and of course it was, and and uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. So you got Lee Burge and Anthony Patterson as the the two first team goalkeepers there. Does it does it help you a little bit, and does it help their dynamic that they both played already this season? Obviously, one in league and one in cup. So you've not got one kind of looking in from the outside. Yeah, that does help. I mean, we've also got Jacob Carney, who uh, we got in from uh, Manchester United. He's kind of a little bit down the petting order now, but. Yeah, it's it's a real healthy position for them all to be in, and I think that's I've been in a lucky position that because I am a Sunderland supporter, I am a Sunderland fan, you know, especially over the last few years, 
I've been to a lot of games. I've seen a lot of the football. You know, I've got to know their games, especially um, especially Lee Burgess. Got to know, uh, be familiar with his game. So it's um, you know, I'm not coming to this sort of blind, and, and it was good to to come in and see them firsthand. And yeah, you're right. You know, same with um, young Anthony. He's um, he, he was, apart from a couple of Papa John's games or, or a check a trade trophy games, I think you know Tuesday night's game against um, against Paul Vale was his his first full debut. So it was um, it was good to see him in action. And um, you know, it certainly looks very promising. I think that you know, regardless of what happens from now to the end of the season, recruitment wise, now we we're pretty well uh, well looked after in that respect. And and you'll need that, won't you? Because it's a really stacked League One this season. We've spoken on the pod about how competitive it's going to be. But but that said, it, it's promotion, the aim as ever for Sunderland this time round, right? Yeah, it has to be, you know. And I think obviously the the new owner coming in, it's it it's been a little bit of a situation where everything's been having to be built from bot from the bottom up. Um, and, and in many ways, that can um, that is the best way to be, and it's the best foundations that are laid. You know, I mean, that success later on is um, maybe I don't know if more likely, but it, it certainly gives it a, a better preparation for it. But at the same time, you know, that takes time. The the, the foundations being put in and doing everything right and putting the right infrastructure at the club that takes time as well. So it's it's a real balance between the the two. I think obviously long term is the the aim is to to get back where we were, but of course there's going to be a lot of hard work goes in before that. Uh, right, before we let you go, I'm sure that you're aware that it's National Mackham Day today, so here's a pop quiz for you. Uh, apparently, according to an article I read, these are things that only people from Sunderland know slash get. Uh, <laughs> what is slash was the Roker Park Tap? Oh God, that's a good one. Was it a pub? No, apparently it was a sculpture of a tap on Roker Park. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, looked like it floated in midair. Yeah, exactly. And and people used to put washing up liquid inside it, so it would just form up. (laughs) That happened a lot. In my defence, I didn't live here for twenty years, so. All right. Well, let's see if you can do better on the next one. Then, what's a pink slice? Oh, that's um, it's like a, a cake or biscuit. Correct. Yeah, it is a cake. I think you can get them in Greg's these days, so obviously the popularity has increased. Well, that's the kind of hard-hitting uh, journalism that you were used to when you are on the <laughs> other side of the mic. <laughs> um, David, we're so pleased for you that you've got this gig. It, it is absolutely superb to see you back at Sunderland. We wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Ah, oh, cheers, mate. Hard work starts here, right? David Priest, Sunderland goalkeeper coach there. Uh, Black Cats fans excited by the signing of Dennis Serkin. He's a 19-year-old left-back from the Spurs Academy. If you want to know more about him, you can by heading to the now sadly defunct Next Big Thing podcast uh, to hear more about the former young Spurs prodigy. So that's left-back sorted, Sam. And they're going to be doing much more business, do you think? And if so, in what position? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not too sure. I think they had a few players playing in unorthodox positions at the weekend. So I think they're a bit short. That could be down to to injuries currently. I think the biggest question, I suppose, is where they're going to get all the goals from. Still, I think Ross Stewart has obviously had a brilliant start, exceptional start, but you can't really put your house on him being the answer for the entirety of a, a League One season. So are they going to bank on Will Grigg rediscovering what he has been at that level in past seasons or are they going to go into the market there to add add a few more a few more goals but 
I'm sure all managers that are jostling for the for the going to be jostling for the playoff positions and the top positions in that league would want to add one or two more in before the window closes. Otherwise, yeah, you could be um, you could fall a little bit short. Yeah, there'll be lots more deals done in the end of the month sales. I'm sure. Right next, we'll get to our weekend previews. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Maidley and many, many more writers. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Uh, let's start uh, look ahead at the seaside with Blackpool welcoming Cardiff to Bloomfield Road. Both sides have one all draws on opening day. Tangerine's probably happier with their point at Bristol City than Cardiff with theirs at home to Barnsley. Actually, Robin, it's been a good start to the season for Blackpool because they had a, a thumping great win 3-0 against Borough in the cup midweek. That the first of three straight home games. Uh, this after most of us tipped them for relegation on the preview pod, so... Probably, probably what motivated them. <laughs> it usually happens, doesn't it? Um, a good start after a really good ending to a season, which they definitely had. Um, but yeah, I think um, really good start for them. Really good that they managed to get that draw against Bristol City. I believe that was their only shot on target in that one or draw. So maybe they need to uh, be a little bit more uh, creative. Although 3-0 against Bury, can't really argue with that. I think they made seven changes. Bury made nine. So difficult to sort of draw any hard and fast conclusions from that. Just re-watching their game against Bristol City, they looked a little bit suspect defensively. It looked like particularly down the right-hand side, they looked like um, Bristol City were getting the better of them. But they've got some really good players. Actually, Sam, I wanted to ask about Jerry Yates, someone you know really well. He obviously did incredibly well last season. I think he's ready, like Adam Armstrong, ready for the Premier League. Is he ready for the Championship? I think so. I don't know. It's it's a big, it's a big pressure on him to go into a league that he's never played in before and be expected to. I think he got fifteen last year, and I think five were penalties, maybe something in, in the region of five. So he didn't score bundles uh, from open play. So I think it's a big ask, but I think considering what he did in League Two and then in League One, yes, this is a a, a greater leap. But I think you you have to trust that he's going to be good enough, and he's got real confidence and momentum behind him as well and he's he's more than just a goal scorer as well I spoke about the numbers at the first off there which was probably wrong because he's such a complete forward player in that he sets the tone for, for Blackpool and especially with the fans back in uh, Bloomfield Road his energy will be catching I think you know with the the lads and also the support so he's an all-rounder which was such a nice dynamic with him and Owen Doyle in uh, that that wonderful season at Swindon. So yes would be my answer, but maybe not in terms of hitting 15 goals. Usually goals when these two teams met. They haven't done so since 2015. Cardiff won 3-2 in Wales. Uh, Blackpool beat Cardiff 3-2 in the 2010 Championship playoff final. Cardiff beat Sutton 3-2 in the Cup 
on Tuesday. Uh, James Collins and Marley Watkins, their two most high-profile summer buys, I think. Uh, Kiefer Moore came on for Collins midweek, Sam, I know. Do you think they can slash will play together? I wouldn't think so, to be honest. I think he'd be more likely to go with just one of them with some uh, some uh, mobile wide players, it would be my guess. And that that's, the, that's kind of the area I'm a little bit concerned about Cardiff. You never have any concerns about them defensively, especially under Mick. Great midfield options, defensive midfield options. Pack, Volks, Bakuna, Rawls, Wintle, probably two of those will play. And then I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, is there going to be enough quality there for, to create goals for, for Collins and more and provide goals themselves and assists? You're talking about players like Josh Murphy. Ryan Giles has been the big plus point of the, the preseason and the, the opening couple of games. Ordinarily a left back, left wing back, he's been playing in the forward three. And he's been been excellent, I think, was their best player against Barnsley on opening day. So I think him and Murphy are the two they're going to turn to. They've got to have big seasons, I think. Otherwise, they may fall a little bit short. And I thought, just to accentuate the the point, Marley Watkins on trial, essentially, scored two of the goals against Sutton, been around the block. No question, a quality player. Been um, And he's trying to get a short-term, I think he's on a short-term contract now with a view maybe being being kept uh, on longer. So, yeah, for me, there's just question marks about whether they're, they're inexperienced wing-backs and those forward players are going to provide enough ammunition, I suppose. Could be Marley's redemption song if he does well, I suppose. Uh, yeah, greeted with the silence it deserves. That Bob Marley joke. Uh, now then, let them come. Let them come. Let them all come down to the den. Uh, not all, just Blackburn Rovers this weekend. Millwall had that spicy draw at QPR before seeing off Pompey in the cup. Always going to be a stretch to keep Armstrong for Rovers. Now they start life without their main man from last season. I just wonder, uh, this is a crazy thought that I've had. They've sold Adam Armstrong. Is it also worth cashing in on Ben Brereton Diaz whilst he's hot? Because... He's never going to be more high profile than he is now. It was a lovely story. His championship record, 18 goals in 184 games. That, that That's not going to replace Adam Armstrong. That's a really good point, actually. Although possibly should have done that a little bit earlier on in the transfer window. Because you're right, yeah, his profile is is high. And actually, yes, fantastic. They've got now got a chilly international at Blackburn Rovers, but... He does miss quite a few chances, doesn't he? I saw him miss quite a, a, a couple of good chances against Morecambe uh, in the Cup in midweek. And yeah, they had uh, a good, obviously a good win to start the season against Swansea. But if we're being honest, they were kind of given both of their goals in that in that 2-1 win. That's a really interesting um, yeah, concept. I mean, I think, I, I think they can't really lose both of them, can they? Without, especially without replacements. Although I, I don't know, I might be being a bit harsh on him. Is he is Brereton Diaz slightly better than we're making out? I would milk it for everything it's worth this season commercially, and you know when they're able to, let's have people on the plane and uh, taking the delights of Blackburn and coming to the the game sporting the replica shirts and reinvest the Armstrong money and give him a little bit of help. And I just think he's on the crest of a wave, isn't he? And to be honest, he's he's not someone we spoke about a lot, is he, in the last couple of seasons? We're talking about him right now. And he looks to be involved in all of Blackburn's best attacking play. And yeah, the, the statistics aren't particularly good, but who knows? You know, stranger things have happened. Still a very young, young man. He could start to score more consistently because he's he must be feeling brilliant. 
He needs Alexis Sanchez with him. That's what he needs. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Hong Min Sun, you, you need as well for the uh, for the, uh, the 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 replica shirt sales to go through the roof. Yeah, yeah. What a summer he had. And while we're speaking of strikers, Millwall bought in Benica Fobe on loan. Hasn't it double figures for league goals since fourteen fifteen? So where are their goals coming from, Sam? Uh, I shouldn't have done that research I did yesterday because uh, that was exactly what I looked at. <laughs> um, so you're talking about the thirty two goals he got combined for MK Dons and Wolves, right? Sure. Um, yeah. Because you, you still think of a phobie guaranteeing you 15, 20 goals, don't you? You, you just do. And it, it's not happened. Five goals in, in Turkey in 28 games. One positive, I think, Matt, straight away is George Sabal coming back. He's already got himself on the score sheet against Pompey. Got them 10 goals in 17-18. So I think that addition gives them some much needed firepower from the middle of the pitch. Uh, and I think the balance with him and Kifton Beld already is looking brilliant. He's a real solid customer at championship level. And there's been, a, would say, a vast improvement there in the middle of the pitch. But I think it probably has to be the addition of Savile's goals because you look at Bradshaw, Afobi, Smith, all good options, but no guarantee there. But the other element of Millwall, and you have to, you have to put it in, is defensively they're normally great. The other thing I picked up on looking at this game, won more games away from home last season, Millwall. So... When you wheel out the cliche about Millwall have to improve at home this season, that is definitely going to happen. I went back to 14-15 and got bored. They've they've always won more home games than away games. You know, going back to the 14-15 and you could probably go back a couple of decades. I'm not going to do it, but it just shows you that there are places in the EFL with the fans in, you know, makes a big difference. So yeah, I fancy them this season to go close. That said, they've got a rubbish record against Blackburn. They've only won one of the last 12 meetings. Uh, the last championship game we're going to look at takes place in sunny South Wales, where Swansea City welcome Sheffield United to the Liberty Stadium. Boost for both to have won in the Cup in midweek, or is it actually irrelevant given that Swansea played a Reading team who made 10 changes and, and Sheffield United struggled past Carlisle? I think the best thing about this was, even though, yes, it was against Carlisle and it was a bit of a slog, Rian Brewster scoring, finally. It had shades of Dominic Solanke for Bournemouth. You know, people were counting down the games, counting up the games, rather, uh, before he scored his first goal. And then, you know, he started bagging a lot more frequently. And I'm just hoping that he's broken his duck now and now Rian Brewster can can show what he can do because we've seen him at championship level with Swansea, what he can do. And he's clearly a talented player and it felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders for Sheffield United last season. So I'm really hoping, I'm sure he's got a little bit of motivation as well going up against the club where he was so successful. It's a striker heavy show this week, uh, Sam. Ollie McBurney, another with links to, to both clubs. Look brilliant for Swansea. Hasn't scored for Sheffield United in 2020. Uh, obviously, there was that incident with him over the summer as well. He got arrested after a punch-up that was filmed back in May. Another player looking to kind of reinvent himself back in the Championship. Definitely, yeah. And it only takes you know one good performance to get you back up and running and just uh, remembering back to how it felt when they were flying in the championship, I think Brewster's been trying so hard, hasn't he? I think, you know, mentally he he looks to have been really searching for 
some clarity with it with his game. I agree with Robin that should do him the world of good. He'll be looking forward to his return to Swansea, and he would have probably been going there with a bit of trepidation before before that goal. So. Both of them really capable. It would be wonderful for Sheffield United if they can both get going because they've got they've got so many of these players that you could point towards have done doing the business before at that level and um, we're just waiting to see which ones are going to come to the party. But I'm sure they'll be fine, Sheffield United. I think it's a good time to play these teams. I, I, I do. I think, you know, Fulham and, and Sheffield United and West Brom maybe to, to a lesser lesser degree I, I think it's a good time to be playing them and Swansea will be buoyant after yes against a very weakened red inside but a really good victory which underlined the way that they want to play and um, they, they had all the ball 73% at half time which is um, in, incredible numbers uh, and the really potentially exciting front three of um, Piro I hope I've said that correctly that the signing from, from PSV looked brilliant Look really good and uh, comparisons to meet you I've heard already from the, the Swansea supporters scored a wonderfully taken goal and with Lowe and Dander supporting him that could be fun that could be really exciting after a season last year where it wasn't particularly good fun watching Swansea especially in attack defending wise loved it but going forward it was a bit meh I'd agree with uh, Sam about I think Sheffield United are going to be a bit of a slow burn just because it was so bad the back end of last season, especially when Chris Wilder left. It kind of feels a bit like Huddersfield, and except Huddersfield kept hold of Jan Sievert, which was clearly a, a big mistake after, you know, just loss after loss after loss. Um, Slavisha Janovic, clearly a better option, but I just feel like, yeah, they may take a while to start firing. Right, as has become tradition, we're going to build a knacker as we go along with the help of our friends at Paddy Power. I've got first pick. I'm going for Hull, QPR, both teams to score. Here's Abby to tell me the odds on that. Odds on that are three to four. As for the match itself, QPR are the very slight favourites. They're 13 to eight to win with Hull 17 to 10. Thanks, Abby. So what's happening in League One, you might ask? We'll tell you next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. Uh, this week, we're going to focus on some League One sides we expect to be in the promotion shakeup come May. Don't worry if your team aren't amongst them. We'll share the love as the campaign rolls on. We're going to start with Derby Day in Yorkshire on Saturday. Not only a Yorkshire Derby, but also the Darren Moore Derby. How's about we get Wednesday expert Nancy Frostick of The Athletic to talk us through this one? Uh, Nancy, some might be surprised to learn that, that Wednesday have signed 12 players this summer, given the, the financial turmoil that's been associated with them in, in recent years. Are things looking a bit more healthy in that sense now? Yeah, it's um, it's been a bit of a surprise, to be honest, because, um, I don't know, everything seemed to end last season on such a, a down note. And then they released a load of players and you know I think they only had 12 senior players on the books. So like they, they needed to make these signings, but um, they were sort of all tied up in that massive swathe of clubs under embargoes at the start of the 
transfer window and and yeah they've done some really impressive business actually um and it sounds like darren moore's been pretty important in that which is um you know a good sign that they've made the right call after a bit of chopping and changing with managerial appointments last season but um but yeah they've um they've done really well and They've used the loan market well, which you kind of expected um, from Darren Morse. They've got um, Florian Camberry, um, who had spent a bit of time in Scotland, um, and a few others as well. Lewis Wing, who I thought was really good at Rotherham last season. And they've managed to pick up a few more experienced players on free transfers, which, you know, bodes well. And thankfully, they haven't really lost any of their you know, biggest and, and best names. So Barry Bannon at the moment still there. Josh Windass has just signed a new contract and Dominic Iorf is the other one where, you know, we kind of thought he might attract some interest. So, um, yeah, so far it's pretty much gone as well as anyone could have hoped, which is, yeah, impressive. And does that mean then that, that maybe Chancery is kind of devolving some of the responsibilities of running the club to other people or, or just trusting his, his manager a bit more and, and taking his opinion on board? I think so. It definitely sort of feels like something's changing behind the scenes. There's a bit of a sort of swell of positivity. The new kits have gone down really well since they, they've they um, signed a deal with, with Macron and smaller things, even just hospitality and all those elements that previously, you know, fans had some grumbles with, but now they look to be really picking up. And yeah, you can, I think you can see with the type of player that's come in, that's Darren sort of having his influence and really working with the recruitment team. So, look, I mean, you don't, you never know how it's going to go in League One, especially when it's a big club like Wednesday sort of having to battle down there and it can really, you know, sometimes spur other teams on. But they've done pretty much everything that they could have done at this point of the transfer window. And so, yeah, they've just given themselves the tools to have a good crack at it, really. Nancy, I was just wondering, I think the bookies had Sheffield Wednesday as big favourites to be promoted straight back up before the season started. And I think some people thought, well, that's just because of their name. But it sounds like things feel a lot more optimistic now. Do you feel like they're set up to go straight back up now? And is that what is expected from the fans and generally around the club? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because... You know, someone asked me, I think it was about six weeks ago, um, before all these signings had come in, like, did I think Wednesday would get promoted? And genuinely, on the basis of the squad they had at the time, I said no. And now, with the signings and just the way the last couple of weeks has unfolded, I, I don't see how they they won't be talked about, you know, the name and, and the size of the club will always sort of put them in those discussions anyway. Um, but genuinely, they've got... You know, Darren knows League One and, and they've equipped the team as well as they can. And and that's his expectation as well. So as I understand it, when he took the job, he was confident he could keep them up. And to take that to the last day of the season and the way that game unfolded against Derby was, you know, absolutely mental, but kind of why we all love football. But then, you know, his expectation was that if it didn't go to plan and he did walk in at a difficult time, you know, if they did go down, he'd be able to get them up at the first time of asking. So I think that's a, a goal that he had set himself, depending on how last season went. And that's what the players will tell you, obviously. You know, players like Barry Bannon and, and Josh Windass, that is absolutely what they want. Because, it, you know, if they don't get promoted this season, you'd think that they'll probably, you know, move on or it'll just present a different sort of challenge next summer. But yeah, they, they seem to be going hard for it. And 
there's every chance that they can do it. I think consistency will be important and just kind of like burying some of the trauma of last season where they just fell apart so often. But, you know, with the number of players they've brought in, that there's been that enough of a turnover that you'd think they'd be able to do that easily enough. Burton Albion versus Ipswich in the glorious East Midlands. Abby's got Burton pegged as top six contenders. Uh, she's not often wrong. And yes, Jimmy got them firing last season, but they're 17 points off the playoff places last term. That's too much ground to make up, isn't it, Robbie? I'm not sure. You know, I think that if you look at the back end of last season, then, um, you know, that that's the kind of trajectory they were on. It just depends on, uh, on if Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank can continue to keep that momentum going he's clearly got them well organized it's just uh again who's going to score the goals like so many of these teams that we've been discussing yeah got Jacob Maddox in to play in in midfield former Chelsea youngster who, who Sam and I have seen a bit of he's played at Tranmere and Cheltenham but he's coming from Vitoria Guimarães in Portugal uh, Sam, I feel like we're talking a lot about strikers and goals and stuff at the moment, but but this speaks to your point about playing the uh, newly relegated sides in the Championship. Ipswich, 25 shots against Newport in the Cup, still lost without managing a goal. It's definitely a good time to be playing them as they try and bed all these new faces in, isn't it? Yeah, but there's there's so many teams. Um, Newport, again, had loads of debutants. Um, you know, I spoke of Morecambe at the weekend. So it's just because Ipswich's signings have been a bit high profile. It gets magnified, I, I would say. And I, I, I wouldn't say I feel for Paul Cook, but I just worry that some of his, you know, comments post-match, it's just going to begin to sound a bit like a broken record. And I think that's it's the nature of the beast a little bit. You have to call for patience. You have to, but the supporters don't really want to hear that. I think there was enough in the two performances to suggest that they will come good and the supporters will buy into that. I mean, this was incredible, wasn't it? As you say, Matt, I looked a bit deeper, 16 shots inside the 18-yard box. Dobra had eight shots himself, which was the same as Newport. Two strikers, nine attempts between them, Bon and Barry, hit the woodwork twice. I mean, yeah, it was a a bit of a one-off. So uh, take it at that and that they'll start to go in surely and four league one games against Burton the last two seasons four victories for Ipswich two one nils at Burton so I could see something similar won't be a lot of goals but I think this could be the start of Paul Cook's revolution if that's a phrase I should use uh, you can I don't know about should uh, Oxford and Charlton both looking for the playoffs they meet this weekend Carl Robinson coming up against one of his old employers. Uh, what's the state of play down at the Cassam, Robin? Is your team, are you all feeling that, that Robinson's still the man to try and get you up? I think so, yes. Although he does need to stop talking about referees after every game because, again, he was he had to start the season watching from the sidelines um, against Cambridge, so he'll be back on the touchline today. I think it's, it, again, like many other teams, it's been pre-seasons disrupted by COVID. They had a uh, COVID positive test and then a lot of them got pinged so Sam Long who had a great season last season still hasn't played because he's not uh, fit enough I think the thing I'm going to be looking out for in this game though is um, Sean Clare is a really interesting story with him because we brought him in last summer from Hearts as a right back and he was clearly not a right back at all it did not go well um, but he really showed some good um, attributes I think technically he was really good Sent on loan to Burton and he was seemed like one of the 
instrumental players in there rise up the table from a, as a central midfielder, um, something that Oxford United have quite a few of. So Carl Robinson decided he had sanctioned the move for him to go to Charlton in the summer. So I'm really interested to see, first of all, how Nigel Adkins deploys him and also just generally how he gets on, because we didn't really see him at Oxford United, at least. What about Charlton, Sam? We're, we're big fans of Nigel Adkins' Twitter feed on this show, but what about his team? How are they shaping up? Just a bit short, really, in, in terms of numbers. I, I felt the business they did was really good, and um, I still believe that. McGivery will be a, a really good sign, and obviously Stockley, Claire, who... Um, Robin just spoke about, I think is a good purchase as well, but it's just attack, attack wise, um, not an abundance of bodies, not a loads of creativity, one shot on target, uh, accumulatively across the two games, doesn't make for particularly good reading. And this is the defence that was amazing last season, if you remember for that spell when I think they went six games maybe without conceding, give or take, these are the same players with the addition of um, McGivery in goal from from Pompey. So no qualms about them defensively. It's just going forward. They're not really connecting at the moment. So I'd expect, well, I know, having heard Nigel Adkins' comments post-AFC Wimbledon, that there will be new signings. He wouldn't say when, but there will be. So watch this space. Well, you there, Sam. Your pick for our Acker comes from League One. Can we have it, please? Yeah, just um, I'm going to go for MK Dons, free scoring in that draw at, at Bolton. Loads of good new signings in forward areas up against Sunderland, who looked brilliant in that victory over Wigan. So I would expect a few goals in that game and should be a real, really entertaining one with two good football insides, it seems. So what are you going for? Both to score? Sorry, if I didn't say that, yes. Uh, Abby, what are the odds on that, please? Yeah, both teams to score is 8-11, to 11, but Sunderland are the favourites here, even though they are the away side, 11-10, to 10, and uh, MK Dons are 9-4. to 4. Right, plenty going on in League Two. We'll look ahead to some of these standout games next. Mansfield Town and Newport County, amongst the teams we tipped to do well in League Two this season, both started with a win last weekend. Mansfield, though, then beaten 3 0 by Preston at home in the Cup. Sam, do you think they're finished with their spending? We know they, they, they like to splash the cash, and, and you feel like uh, they'll be prepared to back. Nigel Clough to, to the extent that he feels he needs it? Well, I think it's a good squad. Never say never because we've grown accustomed to them building great looking League Two squads and then um, letting us down quite quickly, changing manager, repeat. But I'm optimistic. This is an incredibly attacking lineup that Nigel Clough is sending out. I'm still scratching around looking at the midfield players, thinking who has got a defensive bone in their body. It looks like it's George Maris, who was good for a goal at Cambridge previously, who's maybe playing as the deepest one. The two fullbacks, well, the back four, Gordon, who's a midfield player, really. McLaughlin, who's played a variety of roles. Perch, who you'll know, uh, Matt, was a right-back midfielder, really. So that, that's three of the, the back four who... Uh, are quite offensive players, if you like. Well, certainly not, you know, played loads of defensive roles during their careers. And um, the other biggest thing to note is the amount of balls they're, they're getting in the box. 34 crosses against Bristol Rovers, 28 against Preston. That's 62 by my maths in two games. I think that's a little bit abnormal. It seems rather a lot. And um, with the firepower they've got, especially Hawkins, who's a 
who's a, a big old school centre forward. That looks like the way that Nigel Clough's going to try and get out of the division. Um, being very positive, attacking and getting balls in for a couple of really good strikers that they've been able to capture. Uh, on a serious note, Nigel Clough obviously has rarefied status here at Davis Adams Towers, but but putting his dog in the official team photo, that's a booking for me. That's a, that's a bit too Brentian uh, for my liking. Obviously, Shoot. Brian used to have his dog on the training ground all the time, yeah. but yeah. Bobby on the front row in front of Nigel. You already got a perch there. You don't need another animal. Uh, what about Newport, Robin? Uh, two wins, two clean sheets. So, so no hangover from, from the playoff last season. <laughs> another manager for whom it feels like this is a, a key campaign. I mentioned that with Carl Robinson, but for Mike Flint to go again is going to be kind of tricky, isn't it? So maybe it's this season or never for him at Newport. It might well be. I think this is the last year of his contract and I think he could have left quite a few times. His stock keeps getting high and then I wouldn't say it gets lower, but it, you know he's done such an incredible job ever since he walked in the door at Newport. Um, very different squad, isn't it, from last season? Lots of turnover. Um, surprised to see Podrick Ammond leave this week on loan to Exeter. Joss Labadee and Josh Sheehan have already gone. So quite a few key players um, have gone. Obviously, you have Kevin Ellison, who will be good for the odd goal. Um, and great to see Timmy Abraham score the winner in midweek. Be great if he had a sort of similar loan spell like his brother Tammy for Bristol City that really um, put him in the uh, the public eye. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one with Newport. It, I think, again, Mike Flynn, he's going to do a great job. They'll be around the sort of top half and hoping to get into those playoffs. But as I say, with so many new players it's just a difficult one to to assess the thing i would say though is again they they pull off another cup upset it's like they have to he kind of has to say lads we have 41 cup finals or something to go uh, they're just incredible cup team um but they still genuinely just fall short when it comes to the league which is really it's quite upsetting actually uh, what about Salford against Sutton? It originally meant to be at Gander Green Lane, but they're still redoing the pitch there. It was artificial. Uh, you can play World Cup qualifiers on a 4G pitch, but but not a League 2 game. Two teams with, with contrasting ambitions for this season, I think. Sam, what, how much of a big deal is it for Sutton that they're not getting to play at home for a little while? Tricky, but you would think that the um, mood in the dressing room would be brilliant. Um, they were at Cardiff, weren't they, in the week? I mean, that's pinch yourself stuff, isn't it? For, with all respect, supporters and players and coaching staff, probably where they were two or three years ago. So um, I think that the the excitement will get them through the next weeks. That said, they need to get something to show for their efforts because all of a sudden it could become a very long, tough season looking up the division, taking the body blows. So... I think they're all right at the moment, but if this goes on for two or three weeks and they don't pick up any points, they'll want to get back home quick, smart and and have that home advantage um, place that I know relatively well. And I'm sure they'll be able to, to to build, you know, that into a tough place for opposing sides to go because I'm sure the facilities won't be, you know, like some of the top clubs at that level. Probably not like they are at Salford. Actually, Robin yeah. and Gary Bowie, uh, he's he's just going to say to his team, look, you've shown you can do it against a, a championship club, albeit one in turmoil. So there's no excuse for you not to get it done against Sutton United. Oh, no excuse. I mean, 
I think that's the other thing is that Sutton are not expected to get anything from this game. So they're going to play with complete freedom. I would say on the pitch thing, Harrogate did pretty well. I mean, they survived, didn't they? Last season, they had a, a similar thing. But I do think it's a ridiculous rule. It's, as you said there, you could, what was it? World Cup qualifiers you can have on them and not. I just think it's not like the plastic pitches of old, is it? They're, they're, they're all right. Um, I just think it's it's really it's really silly, and they're also taking a lot of revenue, aren't they, from from a club that need it? I just think it's it's madness. Yep. Uh, last game we're going to look at Walsall against Forest Green Rovers. Uh, we spoke to Nancy earlier. She recently caught up with New Saddlers boss Matt Taylor. You can read that on the Athletic. Uh, one of your old clubs, Sam. Uh, before we get to Walsall, who was the best player you ever played for as a manager? Joe Royal was pretty tasty in his day, wasn't he? Who was the best player that? I ever played for? So, oh, as in oh, a manager who was a good, good. player. Good. That is excellent question. Weirdly Thanks. worded, but excellent question. <laughs> um, oh, I've got so many. I've got so many. Um, that I saw, I'd have to say Jim McGilton. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to strangle him at times when he became manager. And and, and likewise, he, he tried to strangle me a few times. But um, <laughs> um, what a player. Yeah, what a player. He, he he was brilliant. But yeah, there were so many in my early career as well. John Sheridan. I mean, Andy King was unbelievable for Everton. My Swindon gaffer. Mick Harford. Joe, obviously. Joe Royal was was amazing. Andy Ritchie at Oldham. Yeah, it was a dream for me those early years because every club I went to, being a, well, being a, a football encyclopedia, as I like to think I am, I did all my, these people I'd seen on TV and... Um, major tournaments and cup finals and stuff like that. So it was a dream. But to get to play with Jim uh, and then he'd become my manager, J- Jim was a, like such a cultured midfielder. He could do things with his feet. He, he had these weird bendy feet. You thought he was going to pass it there and it go the complete opposite direction. It was bizarre, but what a player. Uh, on Walsall, 12 new signings. Is that a blessing or a curse for, for Matt Taylor as a rookie manager? You know, you've not got those kind of old heads trying to, test you out and say, you know, this is my changing room as much as it is yours, but but also you've got to integrate players as well as yourself into a new club. That can't be easy. No, I think it's a, a tricky time for them. Be He'll be working every hour under the sun because I think we all know what type of character he is. I only know him, um, I don't know him relatively well, but I have been in his company um, and he's kind of ticks every box, doesn't he? If you know what I mean. He's very articulate, he had a great career, never any misdemeanors off the pitch. And I think they've done loads of good work. The Walsall fans must be really enthused, director of football, an experienced coach in Neil McDonald to go with Matt. Um, but I think he's got a tough task on the pitch. Um, seems to be speaking about lack of goals a lot today, which is seems a bit cliched, but they haven't scored. I don't, I don't think they've scored one goal in pre-season. Um, haven't scored in their first two games, missing Rory Holden, who's kind of their creative spark. And he spoke about exceptional signs after the the latest defeat, which I thought was quite bold. And it'll be interesting to see how Matt is in a few weeks if they don't get any points on the board. But some positive signs. They brought in Tyrese um, Shade, which is a brilliant name, from Leicester. Do with that what you want, Matt. But he's been really impressive by by all accounts. So that, that that's um, a bright spot for them. And you just need patience with them. But... Uh, again, I'd, I'd expect Matt to do well, but that's maybe me getting sucked into the whole persona and and and, and how he carries himself. Yeah, I guess if they're struggling in this game and, and Tyrese starts on the bench, you could always throw some shade at Forest Green and, and see how that works. Uh, uh, 
What no. about Forest Green, Robin? Injury time goals in both their games so far. So, so veganism equals stamina. What else has caught your eye? <laughs> I think that was the big thing, actually, that they clearly have something about them, that they clearly uh, keep going and they have the confidence that they, they will score. A really good start to the season, managing to do that. You know, getting two against Bristol City, who obviously aren't in a great uh, position at the moment, and then winning on penalties. Um yeah, I think it's been a positive start. Rob Edwards, another sort of unknown a little bit. Another of these uh, these managers from underage uh, national teams like Steve Cooper and Mark Bonner. They seem to be in vogue at the moment, but uh, a good start for him. And I think, yeah, those, those late goals will do wonders for them. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see uh, those two managers go up against each other this weekend. Your pick for the ACA comes from League Two, right, Robin? It does. And because I think it's my first ever ACA in any situation at all, to Mugs game, if you ask me. But I will take part. <laughs> I'm going Thanks for... to Paddy Power for sponsoring the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for, uh, I'm going for a Bradford win against Oldham. So I'm going fairly safe, I think. Uh, Abby, what are the odds on that? And you've got a backup for us, haven't you, for when one of these games inevitably gets called off? Yes, so um, Bradford are four to five to win that one, and uh, uh, Oldham ten to three. So it is is a very safe option um, to make this in from a treble into an acker. I'm going to put in my option. I'm going safe as well, just because I think you know the odds look quite nice. Uh, Rochdale ten to eleven to beat Scunthorpe, who are three to one, and then as we've been you know, hit by COVID many times over the past season and already into this season uh, with our ACA choices. I'm just going to put in a rogue fifth option so that we will always be covered, hopefully. And it is a very rogue option because I know how much Sam loves it when we put in a draw into the ACA option. So I'm going Walsall versus Forest Green, 21 to 10, the draw. That's your that's your ACA covered for this week. The ACA, though, ignoring the Walsall option, is coming in at 9.39 to 1. All right. Sounds worth a go. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply and when the fun stops, stop. Uh, Before we go, given Robin's a commentator, I'm a commentator and Sam's a co-commentator, I'm sure we all took a sharp intake of breath when we saw Adam Armstrong was off to Southampton to join Stuart Armstrong and Che Adams. Plenty of potential to trip over the tongue for us behind the mic. Uh, Robin, anybody else who, who you always get worried about when you when you see that that they're playing? You got Watford this weekend, haven't you? I mean, they they change players very frequently, so that's a tricky one in and of itself. It is, yes. No, just looking at their squad, they always seem to have the biggest squad when you're looking at in the Premier League. But it was one this week actually. Had never heard of him, but my blood ran cold when he scored for Gillingham. Gerald Sithole. Yes, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like. I'm so glad I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> yeah, we put I put him on the group chat this week, actually, because I was so amused by his name. But yeah, I didn't think that he might be tripping me up. Um, Sam, have you got any? Not that I can trip you up in terms of Robin's one, but um, I'm just going to go every commentator's nightmare from the last five years. It's got to be, is it Milovojevic or Milovojevic? Which, which is it? I still don't know. I just freestyle. I just, you know, flip-flop between the two for 90 minutes consistently without ever asking anyone who actually knows. As long as you uh, say one of them consistently, I think you're yes. all right. <laughs> That's the key, isn't it? Um, the, uh, the only other thing is for comments, there are certain names that you have to say the whole name. 
And the main one, I'd say, is a certain centre-half for Leeds, Robin Cock. Because I, a couple of commentators last season, especially when I think he took a couple of shots and they just said his last name and you're going to get partridged on Twitter. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the old Rod Fanny, Stefan Kuntz uh, dynamic, isn't it? I think a, a slightly cleaner one that always tripped me up was when Wigan had James McCarthy and James MacArthur next to each other in central midfield. And, and uh, yeah. I was beaten before that the game had even started because I just could not get my head around that. Well, then they moved to Palace said, together. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, what <laughs> what was that about? Really, really not fair on commentators. Abby, why have you said George Grant? Because you think it should be Jorge Grant? No, it shouldn't be. But that's what I have heard some commentators say. They've gone with a Jorge Grant because it's not spelt in the traditional George Grant way. But yeah, it is George Grant. It's not Jorge. George. Name names. There was a co-commentator that Not did it as well, it. wasn't there, Abby? Yeah, he is of this parish. <laughs> <laughs> there was also someone who's called Josh Ruffles Roofles. <laughs> it's not an easy gig. There you go, listener. You thought nurses have it tough. You want to try being a, a commentator or, or a co-commentator. A reminder that you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now by heading to the athletic.com slash league show. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with the results from the weekend. Until then, thanks for joining us, Robin. Uh, you're on Match of the Day on Saturday, right? I am indeed, yes. Watford against Villa. Looking forward to it. Uh, hoping to learn all the names by then. Yeah, nice to have Watford in the Premier League for their standard season or two. Uh, Sam, you'll be at a Premier League game as well. Yeah, Stamford Bridge this weekend uh, against Palace. And then... Um... Can't think what I've got on the horizon. I've definitely got a trip to QPR coming up. QPR Barnsley. I think that's the following weekend. Excellent. Uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday. Join us then if you can. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.